welcome to the back page of video games podcast i'm sam roberts and i'm joined as ever by matthew castle hello matthew welcome to 2022 happy new year happy new year to you as well sam how you doing yeah very good thank you the funny thing is because we've recorded this um first bit of the podcast twice because i accidentally ripped out my power cable from my pc uh, <laughs> when we started recording this um me and matthew have already greeted each other with a happy new year so um we're kind of living in a sort of um, edge of tomorrow style nightmare here. Um, who knows if this will be the last time? I hope so. But um, <laughs> Matthew, to kick off with a really important question, um, what did you make of the Matrix Resurrections? Uh, I was puzzled why they bought the French guy back from the Matrix Three. <laughs> he was in the second one as well, right? He was um, the Chateau guy. He has the Chateau. Oh, was he in that one as well? He kept closing the door, and he goes, uh, "Woman, you will be the end of me." To uh, Monica Bellucci. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, right. I see in my head, I, I put that in, in the terrible Matrix 3 rather than the merely okay-ish Matrix 2. Mm. Um, but yeah, he turned up and you could hear a collective, not a sigh from the audience, but not even a shrug. Just like <laughs> a, huh? Who's this guy? Because he's not the most memorable of characters to begin with. And in the film, he's like made up to look even madder. So... Catherine was like, who's that? <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> what was a Frenchman shouting at everyone? Yeah. Like, it was him, your favourite character. All your favourites are back. Him, um, Niobe, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, a load of um, quite smelly looking people in a horrible dark city. <laughs> that was back as well. Yeah, quite, it's quite the quite the thing. Um, in terms of like, I like how we got Niobe and the Merovingian, that's the French guy. Um, that's him. But uh, but we couldn't have like uh, full fat Morpheus or, no, um, we, or Agent we had, Smith. This, Morpheus is so confusing in this film. It's a different bloke. He's like made out of other characters as well. It's obviously it's a different actor and he spends most of the film as basically like a bunch of magnetised ball bears. Bearings, which is just like they kept that hidden in the trailers weird this is such a weird film they had him like disappearing down pipes he looked like a super mario power-up very very strange <laughs> i was thinking does lana wachowski know that Lawrence fishburne's still alive like <laughs> not only alive but really fishburne good going watching that thinking oh man i can't believe they didn't ask me back and like that's this is what they did with this character <laughs> Um, and they just forgot about me in the last half hour. Um, oh yeah, big time. I, big, big old mess. Um, I, I thought it was quite a a bold swing in terms of its interaction with the original trilogy. Um, hilariously, a lot of people talk about it. They sort of say a lot of people say I really like the first forty minutes, and then I kind of hated the rest of it. I actually kind of flipped on that. I actually found the first forty minutes incredibly irritating and confusing. Um, and then once it settled into just being another average Matrix film for the sort of the the, the, the second two acts, I was like, oh, okay, you know, uh, you know, this isn't great, but at least I can follow the plot. I found I don't know that opening is very confusing. Yeah, I think it's because like the whole. Uh, I guess like uh, this is some light spoilers to Matrix Resurrection. So if you're not seen it, go forward about two minutes, and we'll start talking about something relevant. I'm sure, um, <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think that I sort of like wondered why they went with this whole angle of him being a game designer when it was obviously a film that they were showing as the game. And it was like, I feel like maybe Lana Wachowski was a bit more tuned into like games culture and stuff about 
20 or so years ago but maybe not so much now and like mm. so and i felt that i felt that a little bit i imagine like as a concept it's fairly easy to grasp to uh someone who doesn't pay attention to video games but when you're watching footage of the 1999 film the matrix and they're telling you it's that video game you made you're like well that's just daft like you know just you could you could have done something different here as i suggest on twitter matthew they could have used some path of neo footage um <laughs> or enter the matrix but um yeah that i, I kind of like the first half where it's i actually did slightly prefer the first half the first half's like black mirror episode that doesn't entirely commit to the premise um and the second half is like straight to dvd matrix sequel so uh yeah. yes and um I, I i did the the big the biggest reach i heard on the criticism of this film is that um the fight scenes are bad because it's subverting your expectations of what a matrix film can be which is having good fight scenes and i was like no that's like no, definitely not like definitely that's garbage not. because yeah. whatever you think of two or three when fights kick off, they're at least very entertaining to watch. Yeah. You know, te- technologically astounding at the time. And this has none of that. Like, the action is so half assed. The editing is terrible. Like, you can't follow any of it. It makes these allegedly, you know, incredible warriors just look very flat and boring. I mean, it's. I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of embarrassing on that level, um, which was sad because normally that's the one thing they do have going for them. Um, but the idea that you're above making a good film. That's that's horseshit, you know. Yeah, I sort of like. I think there's some ideas in there that could have just. I, I don't mind the sort of meta aspect of it so much, as long as it was like done better. But I just think that I would have like fully committed to what that first hour was and made it like really kind of mind bending and weird and interesting. But like, um, mm. yeah, when it becomes a regular Matrix film, it doesn't really do much for me. Uh, Jessica Henwick was good though, and obviously, yeah, um, she is good. Yeah, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Anne Moss looking fantastic, of course. Um, yeah, so, and yeah. I, I, like. I still think it's it's one of Keanu Reeves' better roles. Like the character and the vibe of the film fits his slightly bad acting quite well. <laughs> like I think his his whole kind of I'm slightly confused by this sort of energy as a person suits suits those films. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he seems like a better fit. When I watch a Matrix film, I think Keanu Reeves isn't a bad as bad an actor as I thought. But then you watch like New Bill and Ted, and you're like, oh yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he doesn't have to astound me. I kind of like. I know what the deal is with him at this point, and like, yeah. um, yeah, he did also star in. You know, he has starred in so many of the best action films of all time as well. Um, yeah. like the guy's got some taste. So uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, okay, good. Well, that's the Matrix chat done with Matthew. <laughs> so let's move on to the subject of this episode. So um, for long-time listeners. You'll know that we did uh, 21 bold gaming predictions about 2021 back in um, uh, back at the start of last year, and uh, then we did a re- we revisited those um, predictions for an episode recently, and we thought that was a fun format because um, you know it's sort of you can check in at the end of the year, see how right or wrong you were, um, hear my bullshit thing about um, GTA being set in two different time frames, all that nonsense, and uh, so this year <laughs> we're doing the same thing, Matthew. We've got 11 predictions each year to add up to a total of um, 20 two predictions for 2022 tell me what your vibe is with this how, how easy or hard did you find making these predictions this year very difficult because i feel like a lot of stuff from last year sort of shifted into this year. this year sort of it you know when you look at the schedule it looks a little bit like sort of 2021 part two you know so that that makes it initially confusing uh and the second thing is that a lot of the kind of discourse around games at the moment is about stuff that I simply don't give a shit about, namely NFTs, blockchain stuff, and the metaverse. So 
in terms of people having kind of deep conversations online, which I do require, you know, I, I like to read through other people's predictions to kind of give me an idea of what everyone's into, what everyone's talking about. Doesn't seem to be a huge amount of chat about games. Doesn't feel like there's a huge sort of rumor mill about stuff that could potentially happening. It's just a lot of people kind of either rubbing their hands with glee that all this bullshit's coming or loads of people railing against it and i don't know i i don't know whether or not you've absorbed any of this into your bold gaming predictions but i've kind of i'm a little bit head in the sand about it myself Nah, there are no nfts in my predictions or metaverse it's funny i saw i've seen some people sort of say well you know these kind of scary developments or whatever you want to call them, come along every once in a while, and everyone gets in a fluster. And actually, the games industry is quite good at targeting specific people with specific things. And, you know, when when free-to-play suddenly starts becoming a big thing, and everyone's like, all games are going to be free-to-play, and they're not. You know, the games companies you know and love are still making the games you want, your big kind of retail games or whatever. But there is also like a world of free-to-play stuff that everyone's doing that you maybe don't know about or because they're just good at targeting it you never hear about it you know often when people do like you know their annual their yearly finance presentations or whatever and they're like oh and our weird capcom card game made like a billion dollars or whatever and you're like what they've got one of those um so maybe it'll be one of those just you know fools and their money will be easily parted kind of in secret and the rest of us will just get on business as usual. That's what I'm kind of hoping for. <laughs> if I play the next Mario and like I hit a question mark block and a new power up comes out, but I can't use it because it's owned by like one bloke, then I would be sad. <laughs> I would not be happy about that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Toad is now the possession of like Elon Musk or something. Um... <laughs> Um, so I've avoided all predictions like that, Matthew, this year, because um, okay. I, I want to make them fun and uh, not depressing. So, um, oh, that's good. Yeah, so they're all all of mine are like uh, gaming related, I would say, rather than like wider industry stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, how about you? What's where do yours sort of skew towards? Yeah, I mean, uh, there may be a little dry. I was trying. I I did try to go in with like, oh, let's be really zany or whatever. But I this is this is how strange twenty twenty two is. I was looking at it and it was just like sucking all the silliness from me. I was <laughs> like, oh god, I, I really battled against it. So they're I don't know. They're reasonably rational things. I mean, a lot of them just felt like total shots in the dark because you're like, this is based on nothing. I have nothing going for this, but maybe it's something I'd like to happen. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out in 12 months. Yeah, it's tricky because there's a bunch of things back when I was like a journalist on PC Gamer that I, I knew about in secret. And like those are still secrets. So they they haven't come to light. But like I can't just drop them into a podcast because of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So instead I have to pick things that are like entirely founded in like um, the speculation, which is what the, these are. That there's no like authority behind these whatsoever. They're definitely like a punt in the dark. I guess they're conversation starters, Matthew. And um, with regards yeah. to zaniness, we all know that on this podcast, we just have to like sharply reverse into zaniness sort of like collapse backwards into it that's kind of how it happens on this podcast so um we can't we can't force it i agree i do have one that is quite funny i think but um the rest are all sort of um just yeah very dry conversation starters so should we kick off matthew um let's do it shall i go first yeah you go first yeah i mean i start with one that matthew has uh, no interest in whatsoever um so Sorry, Command & Conquer Red Alert 2 and Tiberian Sun get remastered this year. 
So this is definitely like a hope rather than a sort of, I guess it is a prediction because I think that last collection they did did do well. The one that had the original Command and Conquer and and Red Alert on it. Uh, I love that compilation it got me through the uh, pandemic uh, summer quite nicely in 2020 absolutely just like scorched through every single mission in those games really really good fun um and great they got the artwork completely um uh, redesigned i'm anticipating that ea will do the same with red alert 2 and tiberian sun um red alert 2 to a lot of people represents the peak of the series and so um it, it kind of dials up the sort of alternate history uh, soviet nonsense of the first game and adds things like um floating tanks and um i think like dolphins that have guns and shit it's just like like, full of nonsense um (laughs) which is the one which adds tim curry that's red let three i'm sorry red Red let you red let three you can play on um modern formats but um okay it's that's the 2007 game i think but the um red let two is the one that features uh twin peaks ray wise as a president of the united states and um that's good fun um, that is not a guy I would ever vote for to be president. <laughs> not after watching Twin Peaks, no. Oh, definitely not. Well, that's a, yeah, exactly. He's just, he looks evil. He looks like the devil. He was the devil in something, right? Yeah, that show Reaper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But he's, you know, he seems like a very nice man in real life, just to kind of balance it out there. But, um, Matthew, any thoughts on this as someone who hates real-time strategy? <laughs> I don't hate them. I just, I just, uh, I don't never kind of kept them. up with them, and I suck at them. Yeah, I, and I never played the series beyond Red Alert 1, so... Um, I don't have uh, a searing hot take on these games. <laughs> I think I I just sucked so bad at Red Alert that I would probably flip any pages about Command and Conquer in a magazine after that point. So my, my I really only know uh, Tim Curry saying space. That is the extent of my knowledge on this. I think that's um, a lot of people's modern relationship with Command and Conquer, to be honest. Um, yeah, well, that's all you need for most things to get by. It's just one good meme. And then you can just pretend to be an expert. You're like, oh, yeah, space. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, nice. I think someone... Sorry, go on, sorry. No, I was just saying, I'm up for floating tanks, though. That was... that was That's what I cut you off to say. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think this this one really um, strikes the balance nicely between, like, fun sci-fi unit types and um, being just a generally kind of exciting sort of, like, strategy game. Like, um, I think one of the lead designers of this went on to um, work on StarCraft 2, so... Quite end up in quite a, a sort of serious deal. Red Alert Two is probably the peak of my interest in um, in the RTS, um, just in terms of its it's an old favourite. So I hope to see it again this year, but we'll see, does, Matthew. Does it still have a Tanya or a Tanya alike? Yes, I think Tanya is played by a kind of like an unknown actress in this one, and then I think it's like I don't want to guess who it is because I'll get it wrong and it'll be really embarrassing. But it's like a a lady with blonde hair. Can't remember who. I, I think maybe it's Jenny McCarthy, someone like that. But oh. anyway, that's um, Kate that's... Winslet. <laughs> yeah, you know, really she... hi- it was that one really highbrow bit of casting. <laughs> that was eighty percent of the budget went on that. Yeah, it was worth it though. Uh, on the subject of Tanya. I called her Sonia in the Game of the Year episode. <laughs> um, which, uh, when were you referring to, oh, what, you mean the um, 2021? Think, yeah, I think we were talking about, I think it was during Age of Empires. I think I, I probably thought you were talking about something completely unrelated. Yeah, I thought, is there a, I think I referenced a super-powered unit called Sonia running across the battlefield. I thought you meant Red Sonia, and I was like, what? Oh, no, no, I was referring to Tanya. Um <laughs> Like, just an insight to my mind there, when I heard that back, I was like, ah, oh, curses, seen for the fraud that I am. Yeah, oh no, it's Sonia in Blue Alarm. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah, very good. That's that one done, Matthew, what's your first one? Uh, so my first, uh, this is quite a boring one. 
Um, and it's the only one which does brush with bullshit. I think it's going to be a big VR year, powered in part by the metaverse, which is Facebook's Oculus-using thing. It's Oculus even called Oculus anymore, isn't it? Being renamed to be more metaverse friendly, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's called um, the MetaQuest Two, but um, the right, app is still called okay. Oculus. So, <laughs> so a combination of them pushing that quite aggressively and PlayStation VR Two. I just think we're going to see a, a, a bit of a VR resurgence. I don't know if this is going to be like the now or never. I thought VR had kind of sort of been and gone and had kind of settled at the level it was going to be, but I just. Sort of I know it persists, you know? You keep hearing people talk about it. Like, I, I particularly with with the Quest 2, I just feel like it's, it's definitely not, like, out for the count, which I thought it maybe was a, about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I just get a feeling, like, especially if, if, if whatever PSVR 2 is can solve just the, the 8 million cables problem of the first VR, you know, a, a device so complicated it makes the Wii U look sleek. We packed ours away like within a week. It was one of the worst purchases I ever made because I was just like, I'm not having this strewn around my living room. <laughs> um, if they can solve that problem and make it, I don't know, wireless or at least a bit simpler, I think it could it could be good. Yeah, I think that this is a dead cert. Like, um, uh, can I ask? Do you do you think this is going to be the year of VR because I bought a Quest Two? Um, is that why, Matthew? Well, you definitely like you you had one and and like hearing people like you bring up vr a little bit more you're like oh okay this isn't this isn't like a total bust i think uh, it's actually like in quite rude health um yeah. i think that it helps that facebook is just like as a, a kind of like a, a depository of money that can throw cash at like making it big um mm. in terms of software that's exactly kind of what it needs it's just like you know, basically someone who'll bankroll having a really nice version of Resi 4 made for for their uh, platform. And mm. um, I think that that's only going to grow now. And that, honestly, like as, as someone who switched it on, the library's pretty good. Like there's, um, I, I, like, there's at least like 40 things I want to play on, in VR, um, which is mm. pretty pretty good. And like um, it is like, it is a proper put it on for the first time and it's a fantastic experience. I agree that um, the thing that PS5 has in its favour is that it's obviously an incredibly powerful console, so they can build all of their experiences with the kind of like that hardware tech in mind. Whereas the Quest Two, as a standalone device, isn't like super powered. It's like mm. you know moderately powered. So um, Sony can kind of set it apart by being like more kind of um, of you know uh, sort of like fidelity first, I suppose, with the VR headsets. But yeah, uh, yeah I have a VR prediction coming up as well, Matthew. So Ooh. I'll. Um, I'll save that yeah, one. Yeah, my, but... my, mine was super broad, but that's, you know, that's the name of the game, the predicting game. Yeah, I should Not have... Not that um... it is a competition. <laughs> <laughs> no, I should have um, predicted that Matthew will be self-deprecating about his own predictions. That would have been, like, a, a real winner. Because um, you were like this last year, you were like, oh, yours is so much more interesting than mine. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, I, I was expecting a repeat of that this year. Um, this was, like, one of those formats I've kind of, like, bullied a, a, at you. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, good stuff. Um, so, my second prediction, Matthew, is quite a conservative one. Follows on from a prediction I had last year that came true. Hoping this will come true too. GBA and Game Boy Color games come to Nintendo Switch Online. Mm-hmm. So, I think that 
they have this more expensive tier now of the um of the of Nintendo Switch online service, which I'm of which I'm on your family membership, which I'm delighted about, <laughs> of course, as a long time member of your family. Um, and so I think that they sound like I think like a statement they made to the effect of like we want to make this expansion pack tier like really more valuable or something like that, which makes me think that they'll probably or hopefully just turn the dial up on getting some of these games on there um, and these formats on there. So I think if they want people to pay for it, um, throwing GBA games, which are relatively like hard to sort of get hold of, you need a Wii U to really like play them as, as like virtual console games, which is not ideal. Um, mm. I think having a, a nice library of them and Game Boy and Game Boy Color games on there would be a good way to get people talking about it and potentially um, potentially buying it, particularly if they excavate stuff like original Advance Wars and Golden Sun and, um, you know, maybe mm. even some of the older Pokemon games. They could do really well. So, um, yes. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, that that makes perfect sense. I'd be much more excited about Game Boy Advance than Game Boy and Game Boy Color games coming back. Yeah, I yeah, this 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 sounds like a a, a sort of a no-brainer to me. Unless everyone else sees what uh, Konami did with the Castlevania Advance Collection and went, well, I could just do that instead. I could just sell my my games as a big anthology instead of putting them on a, on a service like that. But you know, who knows what will happen. Yeah, I suppose like at least Nintendo's own games, you can see them doing that because it's worthwhile to them uh, financially. But um, yeah, it would be cool to see stuff like the... Um, oh no, they'll never put those Final Fantasy games on there, will they? But hey, uh, yeah. a, a man can dream. Any, no, no temptation to throw DS in the mix? I don't know how they do it. How would they do it with the two screens? Like you turn it sideways? Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, you've got touchscreen interface. Like you can... You can duplicate it and have a touchscreen on, you know, on on the Switch, so it would sort of technically work. Yeah, I th- I think it, I think it could work. Whether those games would just look a bit uh, now, I don't know. I'd I'd be up for sort of revisiting some stuff. I know saying that like you can play DS games on so many different things, um, so it's it's not the end of the world. But um, you know, why not go whole hog? Yeah, I'm with you on the Game Boy games thing, by the way. Like um, when I look at the kind of library of that console, this is not to say they're bad, but I look at like. Link's Awakening and Oracle of Seasons and Ages and then like everything else and I'm kind of like yeah. not so bothered. Don't, um, don't forget James Bond 007. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. That is um, essential uh, Zelda ripoff. Um, Everyone wants that. And those super hard, they're not Final Fantasy. They like Final Fantasy Adventure or Final Fantasy Quest yeah, yeah. series, which you, you know, while your mates are playing Final Fantasy 7, you're like, well, check this out. And it's a really super difficult super old school rpg and you feel quite sad about it yeah i think like the original original game boy yeah there's not so much want to play game boy color though it's got some um got some good oh, stuff I'd on be it. Up for, yeah i'd be up for the old um metal gear and perfect dark yeah game boy color games those actually like those are actually pretty rad those games they ran them mm. um, they look they looked real nice for the uh for the time so yes fingers crossed that happens this year um Ooh. so that's my prediction to you matthew what's your second prediction my second prediction is that uh, video game movies will continue to be shit, but <laughs> video game TV shows will, I say continue to be excellent, will be excellent. I, you know, I feel like we've had two successes in Castlevania and that League of Legends one that people seem to like, Arcane. Arcane. Yeah. And maybe TV is just a better fit for the kind of, like... Uh, widespread lore and expanded universes that tend to come with video games tv feels like a benefit feels this year like lots of people are 
going for TV with like The Last of Us on HBO. There's the Halo TV show. Netflix are making a Resident Evil show. I just feel like if they're if uh, yeah, I, I just got a, a feeling that these things are going to be okay. I feel like the, there are TV people involved who know how to make good TV, which is key. Which sounds really dumb, I know, but like I just can't see like HBO putting out like a, just a huge piece of shit. Um, so hopefully it will overpower because normally you get the feeling with these projects that it's like like the tinkering from studios. It's the tinkering from the game side that derails these things. Um, but I'm hoping the the TV brains can keep this stuff on track. Yeah, so The Last of Us has Craig Mazin, right? The Chernobyl yeah. writer, creator. So, you know, like uh, a real bit of talent. Host that script writing podcast where I always think, oh, maybe I could be a script writer. And I listen to that and think, I've got no patience to listen to any of this. Um, so <laughs> maybe not. Um, <laughs> I can't even listen to two hours of script writers talking, let alone do this as a career. This is proper, like, I will, like, um, disregard the advice and just start writing my script. That's how I work creatively. Um, that's uh, <laughs> and It's always steered me uh, right, question mark. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> I'm kind of curious about that Halo 1 because they spent so much money on it and you kind of just want to see what it looks like. Can I hope it won't be like one of those um, 2005 YouTube-only sort of tie-in uh, video series they would make where... Yeah. It, I don't think it'll be that. I think it's like... I think they're seeing it like their version of The Mandalorian because it's like the um, Paramount Plus sort of flagship show. So yeah, they obviously th- want it to do well. I think that's... Yeah, I think that stuff can work. Um, I think really... <clears throat> Like, like naff, but super sincere sci-fi can work quite well on TV, which is what I'd put. I would sort of maybe not the Mandalorian, but like it's what I'd put like Battlestar in the Expanse under. Like they're super nerdy, but they really go for it. And I think you can make that stuff work. It's when you kind of slightly half-ass it that's when it becomes a bit of a problem. And it's got an interesting cast of... like. Well, I say it's got an interesting cast of characters. There seems to be a lot of characters around Master Chief. It's Master Chief is the problem in Halo, in that he's just this big, unknowable sort of pile of armour. He's not very interesting. I don't really care to know more about that guy. Um, but, like, the world around them is... That could be that could be interesting, isn't it? The actor who played Nicholas Sabotka on The Wire playing Master Chief. Yeah, it um, is. It's quite interesting. He sounds sounds nothing like him, um, so probably have a very different energy. But uh, mm. yeah, no, I think is it Natasha McKellen is in it as well. I don't know. Yeah, you say as name, yeah. she's Halsey, I think. Yeah, I hope she does um, her Irish accent from um, uh, from Ronin. That was uh, <laughs> an all timer. Um, I just want them to cast uh, Ziggy Sabotka as uh, as Master Chief. Uh, speaking of that, of, of that, actually, have you seen um, For All Mankind on the sincere sci-fi front? The Apple TV yeah, Plus show. Yeah, it's like pretty good. That's like mega sincere and uh yeah and like um that frank sabotka's in that though and he's in like phenomenal shape i'm just like <laughs> that dude's like that dude looks great like it's, it's like, I like twi- that that's your takeaway oh, Sabotka <laughs> looks great well, it's, like 20 years, it's like 20 years later and he looks better than he did then i was like wow good uh great glow up there for frank sabotka um but yeah for all mankind i thought it was, i think it's pretty good um i have to get your thoughts on it at a later a juncture matthew frank um, sabotka glow up <laughs> oh, I wish that was the name of the podcast now. That'd be good. Oh, god damn it! So yes, uh, then there's like a Mass Effect show in the works as well. Is that right? Um, that's not this yeah, year, but it's happening. Yeah, like allegedly, all these things feel like ripe for it. Um, but on the flip side, that Uncharted film will be just too star guff. Yeah, I think like the key thing here is that 
um, streaming services, what they really get is they can like look at data that tells them how many people are watching their streaming services on games consoles. So mm. they have a serious incentive to get that right. Whereas for media studios, it's a bit it's a bit more detached from that. They don't they're probably not looking at it in the same kind of like data driven way. It's much more driven by like what will the people who go to the cinema want to see? They'll want to see Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg without a moustache, and like that'll be the conclusion they came to. Um, no love for the Sonic movie 2, Matthew? Not looking forward to no, that? No, I, I, I didn't think the first one was very good. Um, like, it's it's not like a total car crash, but it's 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 definitely not good. So let's, yeah. let's, all, let's all grow up and stop pretending it is. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, slammed there, the people who like the... Uh, well, come on, come on, you know. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, okay. So uh, my third prediction is that right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two is announced, and it'll be an open world game. So I think that because they've already established the fundamentals of what the FF Seven Remake is, I don't think we'll be waiting a million years to see this one break cover. Um, this is also the 35th anniversary of Final Fantasy Year. Um, good time to do that. Best Final Fantasy Games podcast, Matthew. Mm. Um, and uh, it's so I think that this second part, like maybe towards the end of the year, you'll see it. You'll see it announced. And the reason I think it'll be an open world game is because you've left Midgar, and I don't know how they can do the next part of the game just with the kind of corridor structure that they had in the um, the first uh, remake. Just because you kind of need to be able to wander around a little bit. It's like that going around that first and second continents. That's like a key part of the FF7 experience They um, that they managed to avoid right. by just keeping you in Midgar for the whole that, that first game. But I think they need to like have a bit more of a degree of freedom and sort of RPG style, uh, traditional RPG style to that second one. Any thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, I mean, couldn't that just be a kind of you still have those very scripted linear sequences when you go and do the story events in the various towns or whatever, but then you have like a, but basically an equivalent of the, the, the field area from uh, Final Fantasy fifteen, where like maybe you can just do some grinding and there's some like stuff, you know, there's, there's like endless amount of stuff to do there, but rather than being like fully, fully open world, I don't know. I just think they had such success with the, like the the more linear moments of the first game that I could still be, still be a bit of a hybrid, I think. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I don't, I don't see that mm. being like abandoned. I think like scripted story stuff will be in the mix for sure. I think it's more like having a few big fields to wander around. Yeah, and like um, like when you go and find like the Midgazolum, for example. Um, I think you kind of need to have a bit of like. They needs to show you a bit of getting from A to B. You need to be able to go find that chocobo farm, which is on the first continent. I think there's like a dude in a house. You need to go find him. Um, <laughs> you need to go to the village of Calm. So, uh, yeah, I think like they need to do a bit of open world something. What? Um, what? Uh, so I must admit, I, I'm quite sh- shaky on Final Fantasy VII post-Midgar because I've, I've never finished it myself. Um, where Where's the cutoff point? If they, Aren't they meant to be doing it in like three parts? They they have to do it in more parts just from how they've already done it because they're not even right. close to the end of the first disc. Um, I think this will end with how the first disc ends, which is uh, that's like how Aer- that's Aerith dying in the um, uh, in the original Wait, game. What? Uh, <laughs> in this, uh, but in this remake version, no spoilers for the for the game. But like, who knows if it will play out the same way? It's that's unclear. But like, right. I think that getting to the city of ancients and that 
that bit where Aerith is praying and Sephiroth turns up, that that feels like probably where it's going to end up to me. Um, mm. Maybe that's stretching it too far and they really will make like 12 games out of this, but I don't think so. I think like it will really help for them as well that um, I can't see them keep doing them on PS4. Like I feel like they've just become next-gen games at a certain point. Um, mm. So I'm hoping that kind of happens here because uh, I don't know if you've played the Integrade one they did for PS5, but very uh, shiny, so very very shiny. So um, yes, uh, I think that'll break cover this year, Matthew, and uh, we'll see how Ooh. it goes. But um, hit me with your third prediction. Halo Infinite campaign uh, will be expanded with free DLC. Um, ah, that was my fifth prediction. Oh, we'll just curses. merge them into one. That's fine. We can merge them into one. <laughs> We're stepping on each other's uh, predictions. Um, this is mainly because I feel like it, it doesn't really feel completely finished in a satisfying way. And th- there's just lots about this game, which f- it feels a bit more like a platform. Admittedly, that's more on the multiplayer side, like with the fact that it is free to play and there's these rolling seasons. And, all, you know, that suggests a long ongoing relationship with the game. Whether that bleeds into the campaign side or not, I, I don't know. But if it sort of feels like it, it sort of would. And I, I, you know, I've always thought this was this was more of a deal with this. Like it was going to be more of a, a sort of a you know a Destiny styled project. I, you know, I, I imagine it being free, like within like Game Pass. Um, you know, they've 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 got some form with this. They gave out that. Um, that like mini extra campaign for Gears Five, which sort of came out of nowhere and was quite strange. And it was great, but it was also quite strange. I want to say it's called Hive Busters, and uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what the thinking was behind that, but I feel like this will kind of kind of continue on. Oh, and I hope it does as well because I just want to see something other than just grass and trees which is in that game you know i want to see some other biomes <laughs> as developers love to bollock on about these days um so yeah maybe more of a hope than a prediction yeah i think that um so my prediction i'll, I'll just bring this forward actually and we just talk about this in one go mm. um is that uh halo infinite gets a story expansion that finally gives us a scarab that was my prediction um <laughs> i think i'm with you on the fact that like they'll keep it going because it is quite a short campaign and mm. you would think that, like, probably without thinking with the Hive Busters thing and this, is if you bought the game on Game Pass, um, you have, or you so you just play the game on Game Pass and you kind of drift away from it, it gives you a reason to dive back into it. And it's a yeah. bit like the mentality of dropping second and third seasons of TV shows on Netflix, where it's like, you know, people will come back for the thing that they're most interested in. Um, yeah. So it's worth the investment. And I, I can see that. Like, um, it does also sound seem like they could probably flex their design muscles a bit more with um this infinite expansion because they've got the game out there and it's like acclaimed so all they have to do is like make some good single player content for it uh, they, they don't mm. have to design the game from scratch and they can probably learn a bit of lessons from the criticism they had from um from halo infinite's campaign and uh yeah i'm um that's i think that's a good one matthew i hope that does happen um yeah. i like they'd have a halo that kind of you just get new chunks of world to go explore over the course of like yeah it kind of makes sense that's based on the, the like the design of the ring and what's going on with it in that game it, it just sort of that would be sound um yeah. knowing our luck you know there'll be like something's coming over that mountain and there's a great big shadow and you're really excited for a scarab but it turns out to be like eight horrible boss characters just walking together as a group and you're like oh shit now i gotta do this <laughs> eight space gorillas matthew <laughs> Stan- eight space gorillas standing on each other's shoulders to look like a scarab <laughs> <laughs> so matthew i guess like the order of this has flipped as like 
blown my brain up a little bit. I think it's your next one again now because we just integrated my one. So what's your your next prediction? Uh, my next bold prediction is that uh, that Sonic Frontiers game is going to be good. Ah, okay, interesting. Um, I don't think you truly believe this, but go go ahead. Well, in terms of, I admit it, we only have that little teaser trailer to go on, but the fact that a big, bright, colourful next-gen world, that's really what I'm excited about. You know, this came up a few times in our Game of the Year podcast where people start using the kind of power you have to make slightly, you know, but applying them to your kind of gamier kind of worlds, your more artificial kind of fantasy lands. And while I'm not a big Sonic guy... Like the visual design of that world, and the you know the the silliness of like here's an open world made out of like loops and Sonic racetracks. I think that I think that's interesting. I, I guess the difference is they're trying to sell it on here's an interesting Sonic world rather than here's something interesting about Sonic, which is impossible because Sonic the character being terrible and all his friends being terrible, and that's usually what they sell it on. Like Sonic can become X, or Sonic can transform into X, or Sonic has these friends, and they've all got insane attitude. This does seem to be like here's a sort of generic Sonic, here's an interesting Sonic world. That's the balance I'm more likely to be interested in. It's like I was surprised by how Breath of the Wild that trailer was. Like yeah, it had towers making noises and stuff, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> just like Breath of the Wild. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I just want every game to be like that, basically. So if it's like <laughs> that, then that's fine. I mean, we we know it will it will probably be an uncontrollable mess, sadly. But um, you got you got to make some spice. I don't know how we quantify it being good at the end of the year as well. I don't know if that's like Metacritic of seventy five or above or something. <laughs> I guess like we can um, we can figure that out in December. We'd have to rush that yet. Um, this is where it's like a fat thirty on Metacritic, and it's like, whoops. I've been playing Metroid Dread, Matthew, and oh, yeah. like, I uh, how do you feel about the fact that by the time you get the screw attack in this game, you've basically turned Samus into Sonic the Hedgehog? Like, um, does that upset you? Because even like the turning into a ball and going through pipes thing is very Sonic, and maybe this happens in all Metroid games, but. Yeah. How do you feel about the fact that by the end you are basically Sonic the Hedgehog with a gun? She, I mean, she I'd say she's the original ball hero. Right, and yeah. if anything, Sonic's stealing her moves. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it. I like how late Morph Ball comes in the game. Mm. Relatively late. I mean, it's still like, you know, it's not the longest game in the world, but it, 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 it holds off for quite a long time, which I thought was one of the pleasant surprises of Metroid Dread. I mean, this is I'm, you know I know all the sequence breakers can probably get it within like ten seconds or something, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'd say she's still sufficiently Samus enough alike um, to to not to not break into the Sonic Zone. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Um, I, uh, I certainly wouldn't have picked it as my game of the year if I if I'd made any Sonic comparisons. <laughs> My um, uh, side note, Matthew, like, uh, I, I absolutely fucking adore Metroid Dread. And, like, if oh, we were. Great. I just wish if we'd have done that game of the year list, like, a month later, I'd have had it as number one as well. Like, it's. <laughs> and, like, um, and have kicked Ratchet and Clank out of there, which would have been. <laughs> oh, um, poor. I felt bad about Ratchet and Clank, but there you go. That's fine. Um, people have been very nice about that episode, um, so yeah. uh, it's all good. But uh, yeah, bit of um, bit of continuity correction there from me. Um, so uh, my next one, Matthew, is um, Night's Dive remasters a South Park game on N sixty four. So <laughs> um, <laughs> this is like, I guess, based on the fact they did Shadow Man, um, and I just think like the the kind of like the audacity of like 
adding widescreen and graphics options and like make ultra wide to the piece of shit South Park game from a claim on N64 would be baller. I'd like to see it done. Um, I guess this is probably like the least likely to happen of um, of the of the uh, predictions on this list because I think that Parker and Stone like hate that game and that's part of the reason why the um, Stick of Truth games were like um, much much better. But mm. um, yes, I would like to see it done. The fucking endless turkeys, snowballs, FPS um, brought back in uh, in 4K by um, the specialists at Night Dive. Any thoughts, Matthew? I mean, you know, you get to piss in a snowball and throw it at someone. It's the dream. That is a game which is so funny in magazine box outs, (laughs) but so depressing when you spend 60 quid on it. (laughs) Is it one you had as a kid? Oh, I don't think we had it. I think the boys across the river had a copy of it. Someone someone in in our social circle um, definitely had South Park. And it's just abysmal as well, because the... In like accurately capturing the visual style of that world, it's so sparse. It's yeah. just, it's just terrible. It's <laughs> really barren, a, like a barren wasteland with like ten sound bites and weapons that are funny once and never satisfying to shoot. I mean, this would be so cursed to bring back. <laughs> I um, I had a mate who had it as well. Um, by the way, anyone playing the back page drinking game, Matthew has mentioned the boys across the river, so take a swig. Um, <laughs> is that like, um, I was like, when I was 10 and I played this, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And like, <laughs> that's exactly the only age in which you can appreciate this game on any level. Doing the um, four, uh, four kind of screen, uh, split screen, um, sort of like piss, snowball, uh, death match. Like that's... Yeah. That seemed hilarious um, when I was that age, but um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think this is like this is the least likely thing on my list to happen. But if it did happen, I'd be like, "Well, well done. I'm glad that happened." Um, and yeah. uh, you know, hey, like Night Dive, continue the uh, acclaim remasters. Um, <laughs> bring us this lost classic. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, that's uh, that's that one, Matthew. Um, that was a great takedown of this game by by you. I do agree with you. Like the sound of turkeys in this game as well just drives you completely mad after a while. <laughs> It's a proper, like, cursed object of the 90s. Um, I, I guess, like, when you think back, though, like, at this time, this was a this was an era where, like, if you wanted to buy South Park episodes, they sell them at, like, four episodes on a videotape for, like, 15 quid. Yeah. So maybe in that context, you're like, a whole video game of South Park seemed like good value for money if you liked South Park. But really yeah. now, in this day and age, it's, it's kind of unacceptable. I don't think that like this seemed as bad at the time versus other FPS yeah. games, just because the, the landscape wasn't as rich for them on consoles. But um, yeah. yeah, there were so many South Park games. You don't want them to bring back uh, South Park Rally or Chef's Love Shack the quiz. <laughs> I think like a lot of these got good reviews at the time as well, um, which is uh, unfortunate. But um, yes, South Park games on N sixty four. Wow, um, we'll probably won't do an episode about that one, but um, yeah, let's move on to your number five, Matthew. This is perhaps my vaguest one in terms of what it actually entails, <laughs> um, but I think this is going to be the year where like we have a big Konami comeback. Yeah, and in my head, the three prongs of attack are Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hill, and Castlevania, all of which have myriad rumours that they are in production in different places. Some of them, there are meant to be, like, multiple Silent Hills. Like, 
obviously the best version of this prediction is that like all three of these come back in some form or are revealed in some form um but i will settle for basically any one of them either that's why it's it's a bit of a broad a broad prediction that can be satisfied by many different criteria um but i just feel like we've heard so many rumors and seen so little from them that something has to give they have to make something they have to be doing something with this treasure trove of stuff which is still so 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 fondly thought of whether that's remakes remasters new entries that's sort of hard to say but um yeah i just feel like this has to happen yeah so this i think i had a version of this on my list last year where i said that like silent hill and metal gear will make an appearance and i was tempted to that again but um you know, I'm happy to happy to give that one over to you. I um, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think Konami were meant to participate in E3, then pulled out at the last minute due to like some some reason. Um, but I think that they kind of said something about expecting more from us at some point. I think that these seem like very solid rumors. Um, mm. I would I would like to see them happen for sure. Uh, I agree that they're just sat on the shelf. Um, all these games, like all the you know classic Metal Gears and Silent Hill games, just sat there. You know, not really accessible. Um, some of them are, but not really enough of them on all formats. And like, mm. it seems like there's just money to be made in getting them onto Switch and, and formats like that. So, yeah, I'm hopeful that happens this year. Um, I guess I don't have as much invested in them making a new Castlevania. I never asked you this actually, but what did you think of Bloodstained? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I did like it. Um, like it's very much a kind of continuation of his handheld series. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I liked, I liked it enough. I, the the art style's not quite my cup of tea. You know, yeah. I, I prefer the kind of the sprite based stuff you did before. But um, in terms of like the core magic of what makes that series work, the exploration, the just the huge massive powers you can accrue, and the secrets and digging stuff out. Yeah, I and mean, it, it it's pretty great. It's just hard to say. Yeah, the problem with all their games is that, like, all the people who are famous for making all of them good, they they simply kind of can't work with anymore because they've either, like, publicly distanced themselves from them or, like, they left because they just got so burnt out and bummed out. So you can't see that happening. You hope that there was a generation of developers there who came up under them who've still got the stuff to make these things happen or, indeed, they farm them out to other people. During the Game Awards, I swear that... Um, Guillermo del Toro, when he did his little bit, still dropped a big reference to how much he wanted to do Silent Hills and Pete, you know, or a reference to PT or something. And that's just, I just can't see that ever being something that could happen in terms of, especially, you know, there are still, I think there are some people who are still holding out for one day Kojima will make PT or Silent Hills or whatever it's meant to be called. But like, just due to the nature of the breakup, I just, it surely can't happen. No, I don't think that will ever happen. Um, I think that two things one i think it's really funny that you were clearly eating a rennie when i got you to start talking in that last bit <laughs> like it's the most it's the most obvious it's ever been to me that you've been eating a rennie on this podcast um <laughs> am i right there matthew yes you are because <laughs> i could tell that you were just like complete caught completely off guard by me asking about bloodstained and then like um i had to hear you gobble up a rennie while trying to answer oh i'm sorry i'm sorry for all the people listening to deal with that straight in there is no it's fine it sounded like you were doing a comedy voice it was quite good um uh <laughs> uh yeah um so i think that yeah the uh, i think like the rumor is that obviously kojima productions is making something um rumored to be an xbox game uh rumored to be a horror game 
and uh, we all hope to see a horror game from Kojima, of course, because mm. that seems like a perfect genre uh, for for that studio. So um, yes, I'm hopeful on that front. But yeah, I, I I long ago gave up on Silent Hills the concept. I think a good way to kind of come to peace with Silent Hills is knowing that what you played in PT is not what Silent Hills was going to be. Silent mm. Hills was from what the footage they released was looked very very different um mm. i think that uh, i think that pt was like kind of a tech demo that just ended up becoming a sort of thematically linked prelude um mm. and then the actual game would have been very very different probably would have been third person why would you have a first person game where you play as norman Reedus and you can't see his face they wouldn't have done it so yeah, everyone wants to see his world famous hands <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah holding a torch so um yeah i think that was not I think that's the way the way to make peace with it. If you love PT, and I adore PT, then I think that just uh, imagine that's only like a one self-contained thing, and that Silent Hills was another thing, and you never really saw what it was, and then you come to terms with it better because then it means that whatever Konami makes next and whatever Kashima makes next, you can still get excited about them without that baggage. I would say. Um, mm. So yeah, the Del Toro thing, I suppose, is like uh, is a different factor, but but hey, um, Who knows? yeah. Um, anything more to add on that one, Matthew, or should we move on? Uh, no, no. Okay. Oh, super broad, that one. Come on, give us something a bit more specific. Okay, so um, this is a VR one. Um, more PS2-era games come to VR. So I make this prediction because there's a version of GTA San Andreas on the way for the Oculus Quest 2. Did you know this? I did not, no. Yeah, they announced. I think it was announced during that very strange um, Mark Zuckerberg uh, video um, a few months ago. And um, yeah, so uh, there is a version of San Andreas coming to... VR. I assume it's different completely to the um, remastered edition they've done. Um, I think it's like the company that made. Um, I think like the Rockstar has a VR company. I think like quietly ran by Brendan McNamara, who made Ellie Noir, like I believe. Um, oh. And so I think that that studio is presumably the the one making the um, making GTA for VR. But um, I really like the idea of this, and I, I've put down PS2 era games here because I think that. The reason this makes sense for Facebook to do is that the Quest isn't that powerful yeah. a, a platform. It doesn't have that much memory, so it can't be doing like 100 gigabyte games. But if you can make a really shiny looking version of a PS2 era game run at, um, re- look really crisp, you can theoretically like use the nostalgia people have for like PS2 classics and then just like um, reinterpret them for VR, so you kind of drag more attention to the platform. Um, I think it's like I think Resi Four and GTA San Andreas are quite quite specific as picks. They like you could have picked like a, a later GTA theoretically and done that instead. But it, yeah, I think here the combination right. of nostalgia, see a game that you used to love in like first person VR, uh, along with it being like a, a classic in its own right. That's like quite exciting. I think they'll just do more of that. Um, what the games will be, I'm not sure. But like maybe you will see like Vice City if um, if uh, San Andreas does well. So um, what maybe, do you think about that uh, one? Red Faction? <laughs> Get to blast some holes in the wall and then really look through them with your you, VR. You know what? You could you could definitely do Silent Hill too. Like that would actually rule walking through the foggy streets and then seeing like Pyramid Head in first person. That would be amazing. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that this is like. Um, uh, it's, so, it's so unusual to like to to retrofit Resi Four into a first person game, but they did it and people loved it. And like, I think there's a I think a solid foundation there for um for the future. Matthew, any thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great theory. I, I yeah, I dig that. That that makes perfect sense. 
Um, yeah, I, I can't believe that San Andreas needs passed me by. I yeah, can't I'm wait t- to get. I, re- I want to really get up in Big Smoke's grill. <laughs> I'm gonna double check that I didn't make that up, but uh, let's see. Yes, it was. Um, it's uh, real. It is real. Yeah, announced that San Andreas is in development for the Oculus Quest Two. I think that really did pass a lot of people by for sure. But where are you at with VR currently, Matthew? Are you interested in like the Quest Two? Is that something that appeals to you at all? Uh yeah, we've 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 got one in the house. Or Catherine has one, you know, for work purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last VR thing I played was Alex way back when. I just don't keep an eye on that that sort of scene too much. So I'm sure there's lots of interesting stuff happening, but it it, it would really be game based rather than. You know, I'm never really just in the mood to pop it on and see what happens. You know, it it, it needs something like a, a kind of an Alex sized scale experience to kind of draw me in. Yeah, I should. We should definitely uh, dig more into VR and do do a, some VR episodes this year. That'd be good. Yeah, that's a, it, it's good a good area to kind of get our heads around. Yeah, for sure. I found it very exciting. Um, it's like it's like the experience of um, getting a console for the first time. So yeah, the other reason I thought San Andreas a good fit was that. Um, uh, is that like i think that probably facebook wants to do more in the way of full game experiences and not just like something that's a bit like an advanced version like a wii sports kind of game um mm. so i think that doing doing these kinds of games that take hours to get through they probably see that as the future where they want to keep people playing longer and they want people to feel like they can play these quote-unquote core games on the platform so um yes uh, very exciting more ps2 era games don't know what they'll be but um hopeful to see it so uh mm. good stuff matthew What's your uh, seventh prediction? Uh, I think Nintendo will announce uh, and have available relatively soonish a Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Mm. There was this rumour doing the rounds this year. Well, not rumour, a report that at some comic convention, uh, Jenna Coleman of Doctor Who fame, she voices one of the characters in Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and said, oh yeah, I've done a load of voice recording for a new one. Uh, and, she, and, and it was like, oh, I think that's known about. Is that known about? Well, well, she said it either way. Now that could be she just lost track of time, and she's referring to like the she did she voiced some stuff for the um, uh, when they did Xenoblade Chronicles One Definitive Edition. They included this this sort of new chunk of the game, this new kind of playable sort of epilogue, and her character was in that. So she could have been talking about that. She recorded some new dialogue for that, which she definitely did. But that playable epilogue itself seemed to hint at more stuff to come in terms of... um, I won't spoil what Xenoblade's sort of deal is, but Xenoblade 1 and 2 are set in uh, very different worlds, but there is a connection of sorts between them, and it's almost like setting itself up for would there one day be a kind of crossover between these two games? Would there be, you know, other, other... sort of xenoblade worlds in this sort of wider sort of fictional universe or or whatever um so it feels like a series which is still ripe for for more stuff it's always been very popular like it's it's you know the thing nintendo have always wanted for so long which was like an amazing jrpg of their own you know after you know consoles and consoles of missing out and losing out to playstation uh this is just you know they have a you know, one of the one of the best ones going, so they'll definitely return to it at some point, I think. Um, but we just haven't heard a huge amount from Monolith Soft, and yeah, again, this is more probably more of a hope than a prediction. But it's about time we had another one of these games. Catherine's brother has played Xenoblade Two for like something mad, like six hundred hours or something. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so you know, it's 
it's, it's these are big these are big games but eventually they do run out and you need something new <laughs> yeah okay i uh i think that this is a good shout i think that this has quietly just been a, like a big success for nintendo um shout out as well to jenna coleman who became a big tv star um in the time since that first game was released and still does the voice acting for it like that's yeah. respect that's good work ethic i like that um yeah. and like uh yeah so i i did wonder i did wonder as well from what she said if she was just referring to the the remaster honestly yeah, I, um yeah it sort of sound it sort of sounds that way doesn't it but yeah. um and to be honest if they did do another one I'd, I'd actually rather it was just another world with another set of characters. Like, I think they are good at, uh, you know, they're good at world building, as in physical world building. I want to see a different place to the, the two places I've seen already. And I do like their cast of characters. I like them in one and two. So while I have affection for them, I don't necessarily need to see them come back in any way, you know. I They should just keep making Xenoblades, and then one day, far down the line, they do, like... They do the Avengers end game of Xenoblade where like loads of portals open up at the end and you hear like it's rhyme time come through the portal and then the crowd goes fucking nuts. But uh, it's got but it's got a better theme tune. Yeah. Oh it's got much better music <laughs> than any Avengers film. <laughs> Here's a question for you, Matthew. Um we never talked about this game on this podcast, but um Chronicles X, would you like to see that make a comeback on Switch this year? Uh so like that's I, I must admit I've never actually finished Chronicles X. I don't have a very deep relationship with it because I didn't I didn't really like it. I found I bet like all the stuff I liked about Chronicles One it kind of didn't really have. I found it very cold, uh, very sort of uh, unapproachable in a way. Like it was a much sort of harder sci-fi edge. I'm not a big mech guy, you know. <laughs> like I don't go nuts for just seeing a mech like some people seem to. <laughs> Um, which that game very much hinges on, and it holds it back for so long um, before you get there. Uh, yeah, like I would, I would probably play a, a slicker version of this on Switch for sure. But I, I would rather more Xenoblade in the mold of Chronicles One and Two than X. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. That's uh, a good prediction. Terrible um, soundtrack compared to the others as well. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, it's it hasn't got the same edge, and it's mad because. When they announced the composer of it, because I was so into Xenoblade 1, I got really into his like anime soundtracks mm. to the point where I became absolutely obsessed with the soundtrack he wrote to um, Gundam Unicorn, which is a series I haven't even seen, but I loved the soundtrack so much, and I didn't think his X soundtrack was anywhere near as good as that. Mm. So Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't like mechs, but is big into mech music. That's kind of the... Um... Yeah, I really like this mech music. Yeah. One day I'll watch that show, because I've listened to that soundtrack probably like more than any other soundtrack I've wow. ever listened to, and it would be so weird to see the show that goes with it, because I've conjured up an entirely different show in my head about what it's about based on how the tunes sound, and it probably wouldn't be anywhere near as exciting as my version. Just from the name uh, Gundam Unicorn, I imagine it's like... Um, Gundam, but with kind of My Little Pony style characters, so giant um, mech uh, unicorns. That's my kind of like um, guess. I think there. it's just every every Gundam show ever, except the robot has like a big horn. <laughs> <laughs> that's a much better prediction. I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think so. That's good. All right, cool. Um, so my seventh prediction, Matthew, is Near Automata gets a proper sequel from Platinum Games announced this year. So hmm. I think it's weird we still haven't seen a sequel for this announced. Like this, uh, Near Automata is five years old this year. Is like, it? Yeah, 2017. And like, 
that's really snuck up. But obviously we've seen that replicant kind of like um, re-release of the original game. But I feel like there has to be, surely, based on the fact that it sold like 6 million copies, a proper sequel to this game. And you would expect that it will have the a similar collaboration between Yokotaro and the um, and uh, Platinum um, as they did mm. the first time around. It works so well, and you would think that with a bunch more money behind it, it could really, really be impressive. So I think that this year we'll learn about like what the full continuation of that series is, just because it feels like there's too much money on the table for it to like not continue. So mm. I think there has to be... And and surely they know that the the platinum difference with the combat is what made that game so much better than the original um, and so much more appealing, uh, along with the um, fantastic character design, of course. So yes, um, hopeful we'll see that, Matthew. Any thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, and that that makes sense. Uh, platinum still have made quite a lot of stuff. They seem busy. Platinum are a weird one in terms of it's quite hard to gauge like how many people there it takes to make a game and how many people there are because they all seem to be working on lots of. Lots of different projects. Um, mm. Like, I almost included... Uh, I, it's not one of my predictions, but uh, some people thought there might be uh, another Astral Chain game from them for Switch mm. because Mr. Astral Chain is unaccounted for and has been since Astral Chain. Right. And have you read any of Andy Robinson's Platinum interviews? Yeah, they're really good. Like, yeah, they're really, he's got really this good. like amazing like contact to them, um, which you know, obviously, yeah, really good for him. But he, he gets, yeah, he basically has like a like a big annual chat with them. And in one of them, uh, the guy was like Mister Astral Chain, who I keep calling him that because I've rudely forgotten his actual <laughs> name. But you know, the heads of Platinum are like this. This guy's like our superstar kind of up and coming director, and Astral Chain was like a really you know. A great game, a really good game. I was probably Platinum's best game since I don't know. Bayonetta. Vanquish. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Bayonetta. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, just a, just a real a real stonker. I thought, and yeah, he yeah, Andy Robinson asked asked them this year about, hey, what's that guy up to? What's your superstar doing? And they're like, oh, he's still working on his sequel project. You know, not ready to announce that or whatever. But based on like basically the critical acclaim and i think it sold reasonably well i really wouldn't be surprised if it was astral train 2 but which is a a very long-winded way of saying i find platinum quite confusing in terms of how much they seem to be making and who's working on what but this would make sense they do have two games on the release schedule for this year i think so you got bayonetta 3 obviously and then something for square enix they're making i can't remember the name of it but um is it that that babylon's tower thing yeah, Babylon's Fall, something like that. Fall, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, um, I guess we're going to see how they span out, but I feel like shortly after that they'd roll on to yeah. making that Nier game. I mean, you'd hope so, right? like, it, it felt like the remake of Nier was... No, well, just a remake was probably, like, a bigger deal than it would have been just because there's so many cheerleaders for that series. Yeah, You know, sure. they, they have this natural, like, inbuilt advantage now in that it's a game that that sort of uh, draws such sort of fulsome praise that its fans are of a particular breed that will kind of elevate things to some base level of success that make, means it's worth doing. Yeah, and I think Neo Automata was a proper masterpiece as well. Like, um, like a, just a real kind of like a sort of rough diamond, I guess. It was just sort of um, didn't have the production values of other AAA games, but reached so high and like mm. got there a lot of the time. And um, very, very sad at the end. Very interesting use of um, multiple playthroughs. So, uh, yeah, hope to see a proper sequel of, of some sort, Matthew. 
Um, uh, so yes, what's your eighth prediction? Probably my most boring one because it brings up a lot of old news. Um, <laughs> I still think Breath of the Wild Two is going to be attached, not exclusively, but attached to the launch of a, of a new, more powerful Switch. Hmm. Uh, and because of that, I think it's I think its release is actually going to be dictated by whether or not. Nintendo are able to get that console made given the hardware problems everyone's having. I think if it gets, you know, if it gets delayed again, I don't know if it would be the game's fault. I, sw- I just, I've just got a feeling in my bones that's that, that's what this game is like intended for. And so its fate is just intertwined with this console availability more than anything. Do you think that like, it's not just a bit soon after the uh, Switch OLED to be rolling this out? Especially because they already yeah, said that I... Breath of the Wild 2 is this year. It's hard because they they have they have been fast like this in the past, and it's not. I don't see it. I still don't see it as a full replacement. You know, I still think that they will be. You know, I still. I don't think it's going to be a Switch Two and things play on Switch Two. I still think it will be a part of this family. But yeah, I just yeah, I do, I do, I just I still think this makes sense. I, I it, whenever that 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 renewed model comes, whatever it may be. I think it has to have something massive with it, and that's the only thing I can think of that's sort of big enough. I just don't think, given that they've made like Bowser's Fury, I don't think the Mario team is actually quite there to have to have a whole new Mario for this year. Yeah, I suppose my prediction as well is that there a bunch of that team is working on that Kirby game too, which looks pretty full on. Uh, yeah, I mean it's the mysteries of how Nintendo structure everything internally is is is, is equally. Uh, you know, way more confusing than platinum, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I just, I just got again. It, it's, it's something like I kind of want to happen because Breath of the Wild was like already kind of pushing the switch in certain ways, and I just want to have like a version that absolutely sings. And the OLED this year like renewed like my interest in so many games just by having better colors on the screen. So the idea of like a thing which also played things better. I think would be so amazing to me, so exciting to me. That would probably be majorly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I would certainly um, buy such a thing if it existed. So um, we'll see. But I agree that like hardware limitations might be the um, the thing that keeps it away. The uh, the actual production challenges of making um, mm. electronics at the moment. But who knows? Maybe that'll leave it a bit this year. It's slightly easier to get a uh, an Xbox and uh, PS5 before Christmas this year. Um, but yes, I'd like to see that one happen, Matthew. Okay, my eighth prediction. The two Yakuza historical games, Ishin and Kenzan, are released this year on modern formats in some form. Oh, so it'd be good for this podcast. <laughs> it would. Um, so I um, I was thinking, like, I guess I'll probably have a new, um, uh, like, a Dragon sequel out this year or something like that. But on the off chance they don't, I feel like revisiting these games could be, like, a majorly big deal. And I wonder if, like, it's... Over the years, they've been asked about it a lot. But I do wonder if like the success of games like Ghost Tsushima and Sekiro make them think that, well, we've got a bunch of... We've got a couple of games where there's a version of our main character getting into, like, sword combat and shit. Like, maybe we should kind of, like, excavate this and do some, like, Japanese period drama stuff uh, with the series. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I feel like these just sort of sat there on the, on the sort of table, and I feel like they would be they would go down well if they came to the West. Any thoughts on this, Matthew? Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly be up for playing them. And yeah, like you say, the appetite's there. It's whether these are still deemed just a little bit too hardcore. I must admit, I don't know a vast amount about them in terms of how hardcore they are in terms of story and setting. But 
Yeah, I'd be up for it. I think this team's going to have a bit of upheaval, isn't it? Because, it, it, like, basically it's two creative leads are leaving. Yeah. You'd think that wouldn't affect whatever they've currently got in the works, for this year at least, which, like you say, would probably be like a dragon, as that's, you know, they tend to do alternating years. But, yeah, my main hope is that them leaving doesn't, like, ruin or destabilise this series in any way. Um, I, I imagine, like, enough of the people are still there that it wouldn't, but... Yeah. That would be that would be very sad because I think they're on a real winning streak. So yeah, I think they'll probably be okay. Um, there is the threat though that like if um, Nagoshi goes off and makes a bunch of Yakuza like games somewhere else, are we gonna have to like? Are there gonna be like two of these a year? I have to keep up with. I'm already behind Matthew. <laughs> like it's <laughs> that's gonna be like a lot of games to play. I suppose it depends what he makes for. Um, I can't remember where he's gone, but um, somewhere with money bags. I feel like Judgment as well is shown that. They can make these spin-offy things from the series and have them be successful. Um, mm. Whether these come in the form of like remakey things, a bit like the Kiwami games, I'm not sure. But like, um, I just feel like there's there's probably that appetite now for for this in the West. So um, mm. hopefully it happens, Matthew. I think that'd be a cool thing to roll out this year, and um, and uh, uh, yeah, and get people excited about uh, Yakuza once again. Um, not that the uh, the world really needs it right now. So um, what's your ninth prediction, Matthew? Oh. Okay, this is the broadest one yet. <laughs> you keep the... saying that. No, because I keep forgetting how broad they are. Um, I've literally just written, someone buys Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who buys Capcom. Whether it's Xbox. More likely to be Xbox than Sony, I guess. Um, I just... I look at who Xbox own, what they have access to, what they're trying to do with Game Pass, like, genre-wise... And this is probably based purely on the fact that I think someone would someone would like to properly own a fighting game on there as well, um, which is really not the most sophisticated take. That they just don't have that covered by like any anything they do or anyone they have. The, whenever studio acquisition talk with Xbox does come up, it's always with regards to you know we're looking we're thinking about japan we're looking to japan not necessarily to get like a foothold there i mean i think the thing xbox has done very well is like buy studios which have got stuff that lots of people already like so whether they choose to make it exclusive as they will with bethesda or even just continue running things on other platforms you know i think xbox are quite pragmatic with with what they how they use the stuff that they own i just see capcom as a sort of small enough but big enough to be worthwhile yeah, my thinking didn't go much further than that. I was just trying to make an acquisitions prediction. I, I was surprised you didn't go for Nintendo buys Mercury Steam. Actually, like uh, I thought. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would be a better prediction. But no, I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with my incredibly vague. I'll update it to I think Xbox will buy Capcom, which is a slightly you know, firmer. Yeah, yeah, but 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 really based on literally nothing <laughs> <laughs> we went basically like a whole year without an xbox acquisition last year it is funny how much like these have become such a part of the news cycle with the speculation it didn't, mm. didn't feel like that was ever the case but then like i feel like maybe microsoft turned this into a bit of a battleground when they revealed all those studios at e3 and now everyone's like who's buying who and like um uh you know it's sort of like i guess like um there's a, co- a clear consumer benefit to when if they buy Capcom, suddenly you have every Devil May Cry game on Game Pass and stuff. But um, yeah, ha- what'll happen this year with that stuff? I'm not really sure. I can't. Um, I can't yeah. really. I can't really think about it. Like, um, I do quite like that Sony 
has mostly been seemingly quite pragmatic, like buying studios it already works with or buying like support studios who can like help them finish games yeah. basically. And like um like buying Nixus who um who are PC port specialists, for example. Like um Yeah. Those are all that, quite like level headed purchases. There's a bit yeah, less definitely. drama, you know. But yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I I just don't think they don't seem to have the, 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 a the kind of things that they've bought in the past suggests that they're they're a bit more um thinking about like production line stuff and also like money wise you never really get the impression that they're in a place to just spend like microsoft money doing this kind of stuff um yeah so yeah but capcom may just 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 um chug along quite nicely just doing kind of big exclusive deals with sony which has sort of seemed to kind of work for them in the past um yeah this started off as i was looking at Ace Attorney trying to work out if there was any more Ace Attorney predictions for this year, but beyond me saying, oh, I think there'll be Ace Attorney 7, which I'm still not entirely sure about, given that the kind of uh, the leaders of the Ace Attorney project sort of left over the last couple of years. Um, not Shutakumi, but the other the other kind of branch of the, the, the family. Um, so, yeah, I panicked and just wrote someone buys per Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, we've got to the root of it, let's move on. Um, so, my ninth prediction, Matthew, is uh, a Jedi Fallen Order sequel is announced this year, and uh, it'll let you play as the Sith. That's Ooh. my prediction. So, um, EA is still making Star Wars games, even though the license is sort of um, entering this period where it seems like anyone can pitch them making a Star Wars game yeah. in um, in the next few years, which I'm very excited about as someone who's, who's traditionally loved um, Star Wars games when they've been good, which is about 40% of the time. So yes, Jedi Fallen Order was one of the best Star Wars games, I think, and um, Respawn did a great job with that. Sort of God of War-y, uh, Dark Souls-y take on uh, Jedi combat, a little bit, a tiny bit Metroidvania-y. And um, yeah, I think that a sequel, I can see this being more of an anthology than I kind of like following the Cal Kestis character, just because his story isn't complete by the end of the first game, but like, I wonder if, I don't know, it, it, having a game where you can have, have a similar power set, but play as the Sith might be more exciting to people um, mm. just because I think that like that's still something that games haven't done as much as they could have done um, you saw it in like the Jedi Knight games where if you follow the dark path then you do become a Sith in the second half of the game and then it, it all gets a bit um, grim and nasty and the story changes as a result but a full on like commit to playing as the Sith game I think could be really really rad um, particularly if you're like one of those sort of post um, episode three, je- uh, like Sith hunting down Jedi. Um, that could be like really, really cool. Matthew, any thoughts on this one? Will we get to slay some younglings? <laughs> That'll be the tutorial level. Um, just like, <laughs> yeah, just going to the Coruscant Temple. <laughs> just up in the corner, it says, there's just the HUD element saying younglings, zero out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taking them off. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I really like this game. Like it seemed to arrive quite like fully formed in terms of what it wanted to do. Didn't feel like a like a slightly clumsy first attempt. Felt like a, a good base. Quite traditional, you know. Quite like old school kind of not the most kind of cutting edge of things, but just just quite a traditional idea done really well. Um, I must admit, I I didn't. I can't really remember the, any of the story elements from the, f- the first game. I remember thinking the story and the characters are quite bad, but I don't know if that's widely held opinion. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, so, I, I, you know, 
I'd be quite happy if it just went off and, and looked at something else entirely. That would, that would be fine. Going down the Sith route, isn't that kind of what like Force Unleashed is trying to be? I can't remember how they pitched that, really. Uh, it starts that way, but they abandon it pretty quickly. And it right. basically becomes like the kind of um, actually fight back and form the Rebel Alliance. Oh, kind that's of game. it. Yeah, yeah. You kill a couple of Wookies though, right? Yeah, that the uh, the tutorial is you're you're killing Wookies and then <laughs> yeah, you're f- throwing Wookies off of bridges and stuff with um, wacky physics. That's that's the deal. I just I want it to open with a really photorealistic scene, quick time event of you stamping on a porg. <laughs> That's the dream. You're not a big pork guy, Matthew. Not a pork head. Uh, no, I'd quite like him, but I think that would get that. That would. That's what true evil looks like in Star Wars now. <laughs> if you could hurt a pork, you're capable of anything. Yeah, um, I suppose we'll. Uh, the Empress we'll kill the pork. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope to see the pork, pork and younglings. That'll be the tutorial of that game. The rest of it, a complete mystery. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought. I think like actually, the story of the first game is pretty well regarded. I, I actually really liked it, and I really liked the character. Okay. Um, but um, you know, I know that Star Wars is kind of like uh, you're always a little bit fifty fifty on Star Wars, aren't you? It's never quite like you're never like massively on board with some of the kind of franchise offshoots side of things, you know? Yeah, that's that's probably true. I'm surprised they haven't licensed out Mandalorian, given it's so video gamey. Well, we know there's a Ubisoft open world game in the works, right? Like that could be bounty hunterish. I don't know. Um, mm. You've got, uh, and then obviously there's a Kotor uh, remake, and then there's the um, Quantic Dream games. So there's already three Star Wars games that are kind of in the works, but um, mm. I imagine we'll see many more. Hopefully, we see that Indiana Jones game this year too. That'd be cool. But um, yes, oh, that's yeah. probably more a Matt Castle thing. But um, yeah, so it's a remake. It's an all singing, all dancing <laughs> remake of um, freaking Emperor's Tomb or Staff of Kings. Like Staff uh, of Kings. finally get the um, fight on top of the. Um, uh, San Francisco uh, rail thing would be jig. That'd be good. Um, okay, so what's your tenth prediction, Matthew? Uh, I think we will see a uh, new game from uh, Kazuki Yabuki, who is at Nintendo. He's Mr. Mario Kart, also Mr. Arms. Okay. Um, we just his his group, which is the Mario Kart and now Arms department. <laughs> like they both made pretty much launch games for the Switch. Haven't really seen a huge amount of them. They were involved with the Mario Kart remote control thing, um, which I actually haven't played. Uh, I should probably get on that at some point. Uh, Whether that's new Mario Kart, because it is uh, 30th anniversary of Super Mario Kart this year, that would feel like a big, like, uh, a sensible Nintendo thing. It also wouldn't be sensible because Mario Kart Deluxe sells... Uh, as we discussed before, like 30 million copies or something obscene. Like, there's, <laughs> there is no need for them to make a new Mario Kart. Um, I just feel like that th- th- that team has... It's just been too long. Um, so I think they're actually more likely to make a new Nintendo sports game from the ARMS slash Mario Kart team, is my prediction. Hmm. Was ARMS good, Matthew? I never played this one. Uh, I liked it. I liked it enough. Uh, I didn't love it. You know, it has a couple of cheerleaders who are absolutely obsessed with it. I mean, it's it's sort of very elegant and beautifully made and very cleverly Nintendo. I think, you know, at its heart, it's still a bit of a fighting game. Well, it is a fighting game, and that doesn't interest me massively. Hmm. Uh, that's, that is just too big a hurdle for even Nintendo to get me over, even though, you know, they solve a lot of the kind of problems I have with fighting games in that you can pick up and play it, and, you know, it's designed... F- to be like a beginner's fighting game in a way but 
yeah, I just think something has to come from come from this team. The promise of like towards the tail end of the Wii U, we had this generation of like innovation from Nintendo, which really actually just boils down to Splatoon and Arms. And I feel like those younger developers who they were kind of championing as like the new thinkers at Nintendo. I would like something new from them. You know, Splatoon team is tied up making endless Splatoons and good for them. But um, yeah, this lot unaccounted for. So let's see what they're up to. So on this podcast so far, we've had Mr. Astral Chain, Mr. Mario Kart and Mr. Arms. Like, this guy uh... is Kazuki Yabuki. <laughs> <laughs> I know his name. I just like that it's always Mr. and then the name of the game they made. That's Well, they're, they're men that made them. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't dispute that. It's more just like... <laughs> It's just the the fact that that's how you refer to them. It's um. It's well, good. I haven't I haven't written their name. I, I I'm I'm a little out of the loop, and I'm not as good on like the newer generation of of like Nintendo Mega Brains, um, because I don't write about this stuff on a daily basis. That is fair. Um, that's completely. All the fair. people I like are now just like extreme. Well, all the old people I know are now just extremely old senior managers who don't <laughs> seem to sort of touch any game. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. But, um, but yeah, regardless of all that, something for Mario Kart 30th anniversary. Do we feel like that was something that might make sense? I think so. Like, I think that uh, there's no, there's no like, there's no bad thing to releasing another Mario Kart. It's just that that's another game that will sell 20 million copies. Like, it's yeah. they could just bundle in eight and nine together if they want to, and like, um, and just sell them. But it it does feel like, to your point about Nintendo having new hardware, it does feel like a Mario Kart. And having Breath of the Wild at the same time would be like a rad way to kick that off. Will it happen this year? I don't know. I really don't know. But like um, the Switch OLED makes it um, makes it a bit confusing, I think. But um, yeah, I think that the the idea that they're making something makes complete sense, Matthew. Particularly stuff in that kind of mold where it feels like there have been less of that type of game in the last few years. That kind of like slightly multiplayer-ish couch stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It, it feels like while they're not super on it in terms of pushing their online service now that there are more expensive tiers and there's more of a conversation about that i feel like they need to inject something into it because at the moment it's basically a service you pay for to play multiplayer games that they made three years ago mm. and something more has to come from it and okay i know you've got your mario golfs and your tennis or whatever but like i, I don't really see those as serious serious contenders um i think they need something big and shiny to kind of plug plug that gap keep the conversation about online going okay yeah fair that's a good prediction matthew um so we reach my 10th prediction which is by the end of the year i will be at least one expansion into final fantasy 14 so <laughs> i think this is this is so this is what i'm in control of i think you had a prediction like this in your last list yeah it's like, like i will buy a play date <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I could have one of these because you yeah. did that, and uh, you don't have a play date, do you? No, it's not uh, out. <laughs> no, no, very good. Um, so yes, I think this has been on the cards for a long time, and I've just—I think it's reached breaking point in the last few weeks where Final Fantasy fourteen is so popular they had to pull it from sale, which is like what a great position to be in, frankly. And so I think I, everyone's been telling me for years that the best Final Fantasy story is happening in Final Fantasy fourteen. I see uh, Sakaguchi um, posting very like wholesome images of his adventures in FF14, which is quite nice. Um, he's well worth following on uh, on Twitter, very wholesome Twitter account there. And uh, yeah, I think like seeing these 
and seeing the Endwalker reaction be as strong as it is makes me think I just have to get involved with this somehow. And this is probably the best position to do it from, just because I know they condensed down the story of the original game a little bit, so you can get through the expansions faster. And um, this is an ongoing project. feels like a good fit for me. Um, Matthew, I'm guessing you would never even think about playing this, but has Catherine thought about it? Is it something you've discussed much? Yeah, there, there's always this conversation. I, I do have some interest in it. Um, I remember being on a press trip with Oscar from Play Magazine. He's a he's a big evangelist for this and was was saying, like, you know, it's just the best Final Fantasy story, you know, ever in a Final Fantasy game. And just, just as that sort of single-player connection with it, of just enjoying the story, made it worthwhile. But it's just, with every passing year, I'm, it's just it's so out of reach for me. I think Catherine's definitely got interest in it, but, you know, she also likes to kind of keep on top of everything, you know, editing the site and everything. She likes to have a nice wide range of things. I feel like... You just have to kind of commit. I can't commit to one game. It's just not my. It's not my deal. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just watch the story on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might hit a quiet spell in the middle of the year this year. We're, we're, that might be when I um I probably go for it. So uh, we'll see. But they have to actually put yeah. it back on sale first in order for me to play it. So um, <laughs> I've I've never played an MMO. Yeah, me neither. I never played a proper MMO. Like um, only games that people have told me are a bit like MMOs. So uh, yeah. yeah, no monthly fee games. That's a lot of pressure actually. So. Um, yeah, um, I'll give that some thought. Um, so what's your final prediction for this episode, Matthew? Uh, my final prediction is that there will be a new Famicom detective game, and it will actually be amazing. Wow, that's like bold. Is it, do you think this is likely? Uh, it's based on nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they, I think they reintroduce, like reintroducing the series... Well, it depends whether those, those games last year were reintroducing the series or literally just a nice thing to do. I personally think... They put way too much effort into like they're just so high quality. The actual ports of those games, the Switch, um, for them not to want to make more. Like I feel like the response, whatever you thought about the games, I wasn't particularly into them. But like as a production thing, I was like, wow, these are amazing. These were so nice to play, like to look at. You know, they were they were so beautifully made and so much kind of thought went into it. Like they've now reintroduced that character. I would just. I would love them to make another game in the series with those production values, a new story that's a bit more modern feeling, and also solve the pacing, structural problems of the originals, which are very much like straight NES. They are still the NES games they always were, or the Famicom games they always were. Um, but you could you could basically get around that by writing a new story and and dealing with those problems now by not having a template to stick to. And I think it would be like really really immense i'd love them to do it you know the whole thing in that game is that you're you're kind of you're a teenager teenage detective you know they could even like update it to modern day where you're now like an adult have that character i don't know being a mentor to like new characters or just like revisiting or like we've got to get the famicom detective club back together or something i just think they've they've like established enough of a world now that they could actually go back and and have some fun with it so uh yeah that's i i you know they probably won't. Uh, I don't really know how these things sold, being like digital only a bit harder to kind of place, but uh, it would be a waste of some of some good thinking not to. Mm, okay, interesting. Well, this is uh, not what I expected you to uh, to come back with for the last one. Um, I, did I did have think... another one, which I, I don't know if I've missed one out. Oh, right, okay. I think because it got confusing because I had the, um, the other uh, 
Halo Infinite one. So um, hmm. what's your what's your other one then? My other one was that um, we will all regret going back to GoldenEye when it comes out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Is, have you seen this GoldenEye rumour? Yes, I have. And I kind of wondered, like someone suggested it might just stealth kind of like release on like yeah. um, Game Pass and just be here. Uh, I just got, I got, I don't really have a, des- a huge desire to revisit it. It's locked in my head as a really happy memory. I just got a feeling that if I go back and play it, it will just seem creaky as shit and make you sad so yeah that was my final prediction well you see if it was like if it had the exact same treatment that that perfect dark version did it would be perfectly playable now because that mm. perfect dark it, that that's a really good version of that game it's still very modern they updated the controls so you do the twin stick thing you don't need three hands like you did with the n64 controller in order to do it properly um it's got enough going on in terms of atmosphere and nostalgia that people will still be up for it but um i do like the pessimism of this um prediction so i'm gonna, <laughs> gonna let it go um that's good i just I just yeah i just have i'd be happy not to mm-hmm. like it's it's fine being locked away also it would uh only devalue your n64 mini further <laughs> yeah like this is this is the game that 52 percent of back page listeners voted against matthew um <laughs> So, you know, they they said no to this um, but because uh, they were too busy wanting to play Space Station Silicon Valley. So, uh, you know, <laughs> who am I to tell them they're wrong <laughs> for the 18th time? My New Year's resolution is less salt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because um, me and Matthew have uh, our, our next draft episode is next week. It's the Nintendo Wii draft. And because of that, I'm thinking strategically about it. I'm thinking, I don't want to do anything that's like really upsetting in this one. I kind of just want to pick my 10 games and then see how it goes, as opposed to like kind of like doing this Shakespearean betrayal like I did in the N64 one. <laughs> so um, we'll see how that goes, Matthew. But uh, yes. Um, yeah, it should be good. should be yeah, spicy. I think so. Okay, well, we've reached the end of our predictions. Um, we'll revisit those later in the year, but um, let us know what you think on Twitter at BackpagePod. If you'd like to email us, backpagegames at gmail.com. We are two weeks away from doing our third mailbag episode. We've had plenty of um, correspondence for that one, so this is like a final call. If you want to send us a question to answer on that on that podcast, you can. Um, we're looking forward to... What does to, the um, thought? You could send us an opinion. Yes, we've had lots of I've, I've had lots of nice messages about the podcast lately. Actually, people DMing me on Twitter and um, emailing the inbox, and like uh, Matthew doesn't have access to the same lines of communication that I do, even though he does have all the passwords. But um, and uh, <laughs> they people have just been really, really nice about the podcast, so I do greatly appreciate it. Mm. Um, also, I did ask if people could um, give us a score on Spotify, and uh, because you can do that now for the podcast, and more than sixty people did, which is awesome. Thank you so much for that. Your um, continued support is much appreciated. Um, we've got a, I've got a good year of uh, episodes ahead. Me and Matthew have a creative summit coming up um, in the next week <laughs> where we're going to talk about ideas for the podcast for the year. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on where the podcast is going this year, Matthew? Stuff you want to talk about? There's a few anniversaries I'd like to go into. I'd like to do a few more series deep dives along the lines of um, Ace Attorney and Zelda, but I feel like I need to kind of... Those were like the two at the top of the pile for me, so... Wherever it's going to be, I need to kind of dig in and, and play some stuff. So I'm just sort of mentally preparing myself to, you know, what am I going to dive into this year? Um, like, I definitely need to play more Final Fantasy games for the Final Fantasy one, for example. Yeah, I mean, I saw that one as me doing more of the heavy lifting on that. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'd like to, I'd like to be able to contribute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just thinking about what to what to revisit. Yeah, I'm thinking. I got, like... I got a little bit of a hankering for a LucasArts thing. 
Okay, yeah, interesting. Well, like, uh, maybe, did we talk about doing, like, a Hall of Fame kind of format? Yeah. And stealing that from a podcast that we listen to, um, like we do with all of our ideas. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's uh, that's cool. I'm, I'm up for a LucasArts-y thing, particularly if um, mm. there's going to be uh, more in the way of uh, Star Wars games happening this year. So that's, uh, that's good. Uh, yeah, I thought um, the series retrospective I wanted to pitch to you was Metroid, Matthew, because it gives me an excuse to play through them. And, yeah, um, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd need to go back and revisit a few because it's definitely been a long time. But um, yeah, that would be good. And, uh, you know, there's a broader Metroidvania thing to be done as well. Yeah, obviously um, your, your favourite is uh, Federation Force, so you'll be revisiting that very keenly, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, that and Metro Prime Pinball, those are your two favourites. Um, <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> yes, good game that, yeah. Shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't diss it. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for listening. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. If you want to follow me, Matthew, where, where are you on Twitter? I am Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. We'll be back next week with a Nintendo Wii Draft. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now. This is Samuel Roberts from the Backpage Podcast. Attentive listeners may have noticed that in this episode, I only picked 10 predictions for the year instead of the 11 I was supposed to pick. That's on me. I'd also like to apologise for my shoddy audio this week. I think it's because I put my Blue Yeti mic in the cupboard and some dials got turned while that happened. So, for a final prediction to see out this episode, I'm predicting that PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale 2 happens this year, baby. It's based on no facts whatsoever.